and to um, be right smack in the middle of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as you um, prepare to hear this sermon, I invite you to look up Philippians 2, 19 to 30 in your Bibles. 1825, page 1825, if you're using the Bible in your seat or you've brought your own. Philippians, one of those books, short little books, sometimes a little tricky to find there in the New Testament. But go to the back and start working your way backwards and you'll find it or look in your table of contents. It's a good way to find it too. So we're continuing in our series in Philippians, A Life of Joy. And we've made it here to verse 19. And so I'm going to read this now. And before I do, I just ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word, the hearing of your word, and the preaching of your word. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes, to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Remember, Paul's sitting in chains in prison as he writes this. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And so Paul writes these words, and I really believe these are lessons in gospel living, living according to Christ. Now when you... See this little section here? Sometimes it sounds like a travel itinerary. Somebody's going to depart and they're going to arrive, they're going to go, they're being sent. And oftentimes when Paul writes a letter, you see this kind of little travel itinerary at the beginning of the book or the end of the book. But if um, we're told this is unusual to have it smack in the middle, and so what's going on? Why did Paul put this section about when Timothy's going somewhere, when Paul might go somewhere, and when this um, messenger Epaphroditus, that's hard to pronounce, um, when he's going somewhere. Why is it right here? 
Well, actually, it's not just kind of like, well, I think I'll just insert this right here now because I just crossed my mind. But actually, he's been giving us some instructions on um, how to live a life worthy of the gospel. So it's been very, his letter has been quite theological, giving ideas and suggestions about this. And so in Philippians 1, he said, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So then whenever I come or see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And so he's actually moving and transitioning from talking about living a life worthy of the gospel and standing firm in unity. And through this little travelogue that he includes here, he's starting to show us practically how that lives out. And so today's message is a very simple message. It's about a living in a manner worthy of the gospel. This gospel living, I see three things in here. Interdependence, living for others, and honoring service. And so we're going to look at those three things. And as we do, I want to tell you about a walk that I took. Um, Classis, Grand Rapids North, this region of um, Christian Reformed churches on the north end of Grand Rapids, um, I had a meeting, and their kind of meeting these days, they said, how about we go for a walking meeting? So we met up in Rockford, and um, it's hilly. It's hilly there, and we walked for four miles. And we walked and we talked and we prayed, and as we did, um, we were praying, and one of the um, people that was in this meeting, Katie Spengler, some of you know Katie, prayer mobilizer, she said, you know, as we're praying, I'm just getting this image of the churches in this area being connected. And she said, I, I'm getting this picture of, do you know the redwood trees? And um, she said, their root system. And she said, do you know anything about the root system? And so I said what I thought I knew. And I said, well, they're very tall trees. I remembered that. I got the opportunity once to see them. Very, very tall. Actually, twice in my life I've seen those big, tall trees. And anyway, and then I made a guess at the roots, and I said, oh, the roots are really probably really deep, too, because those, those trees are super tall. And anyway, and she goes, well, let me tell you about the root system. So I learned something. So as a teacher, anything I learn, I want to pass it on to you. All right? So this is what I learned about these trees, and I want to put it in perspective. These trees are the tallest trees in the world. And so the tallest one um, at last date that I found was maybe 275 feet tall. So to just help you get a picture of that, the JW Marriott here in town is 257 feet tall. And they told me on the Internet that the Bridgewater Place or Varnum building was 272 feet tall. So these trees are taller than some of our tallest buildings in Grand Rapids. All right, so these are super, super tall trees. The diameter can be 25 feet in diameter. That is huge trunk, all right? We think it's a big trunk on a big oak around here or something, right? All right, these are huge, huge trees. And they're very old as well. But the root system, they can survive with the roots only going down maybe 6 to 12 feet deep. Now think about building these big skyscrapers, how how they put those foundations down deep. But these trees, they send their tree roots out wide. 
They're shallow, but they're wide. They can go out 300 feet, 350 feet, the roots out from the trees, but only six feet down maybe. And so they've got these um, massive roots. Sometimes you see them above the ground, and you can see how they're kind of intermingled. But they support these trees that weigh up to 500 tons, and they're only rooted down about maybe 5 to 10 feet in the ground. All right? But the tree roots, they grow all out, and they're um, all meshed together and intermingled. And even those roots between the trees will fuse sometimes. Those root systems will fuse so that they support and shear the nutrients back and forth to one another. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And so um, these tree roots are helping support the growth, this big growth, and they're interrelated and they're connected. They said, I read one article and it said, it's like a bunch of men that are linking their arms, these trees and their root systems linking their arms together. Well, we as the church link our arms together. We're interdependent. We connect together and we serve together in ways that help nourish one another, strengthen one another. And I notice that Paul in the passage, he does this. He acknowledges other people's needs and he acknowledges his own needs, right? He's concerned about them. He wants to send Timothy to cheer them. He wants to um, let them know how he's doing. He also wants to have Timothy address some things that are going on there at the church in Philippi. The church needs some instruction, so he wants to send Timothy, but not quite yet. He also acknowledges the needs of that church because they're concerned about their messenger that they sent. They got word back that he had been sick, and so he was concerned about their needs and what they needed to hear, what they needed to have. But Paul was also concerned and acknowledged in humility his own needs. Now, sometimes leaders, and I think maybe this, I don't know how much of it is American culture, that we want our leaders to be like almost invincible, right? We, we don't want to hear about a weak leader. But Paul readily admits, I can't send Timothy yet because I have no one like him that watches out for the needs, my own needs and the needs of Christ, And actually, Paul's own needs are even the needs of Christ. The Lord needed Paul to continue living. And so there was a need, and I'm going to tell you more about his need and what it was like in jail in a little bit. But it's it's something that there's this interdependence that Paul, Timothy, Aphroditus, the church in Philippi, they're all interdependent, just like the root system of those big redwood trees would be interconnected and intermingled. God connects our lives. And he does this. We see this interdependence in many ways. But we see how we pray for one another. And how that's like when we pray, the Lord sends his grace and nutrients and strength. So our brother, Brendan, has um, caught a cold this week. And you know, if you know, if you've been around, that he's in state trooper school, very strenuous physically. And so what we do when we hear a need is we pray for him, and the Lord sends strength and grace to him. We pray for our sister Tammy, 
whose father is dying in the hospital. We're interdependent through prayer. We pray for Margaret as she grieves. We pray for one another when we hear of needs. And that's one way that the Lord interconnects our lives. He also causes us to be interdependent as we are accountable to each other and as we give encouragement to each other. And this week I had just an opportunity to hear about a group of men that gathered, um, and they gathered for accountability purposes. I know there's groups of women that do that as well. They study the Bible, they look at the Bible, but they also ask each other, how are you doing in your walk? How are you doing with this area of struggle? How are you doing emotionally? We encourage each other. We support each other as fellow Christians. So those interrelated, almost like those redwood tree roots, right? Interrelated, connected. God's done this connecting for his purposes so that we would stay strong and we would be able to share the gospel. We also see this value of living for others. We can call it a kingdom value. We could call it a family value. But Philippians 2.22 says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. And so there's this apprenticing, um, spiritual sonship. Timothy was a spiritual son of Paul. He had become a convert. He had heard of Jesus. He converted. And he started to follow Paul even as Paul followed Jesus and taught him the family business, taught him the family values. What are the kingdom values? What are family values in the kingdom of God? Sacrificial living, sacrificial love. And so here we see that Timothy is pouring out. He's not concerned about his own needs, but he's looking after the needs of Jesus Christ and his kingdom around him. And so there's this living out their life for the other, the sake of the other. Now, I told you I was going to tell you a little bit more about the conditions in jail. When Paul is in a Roman jail, um, they didn't provide for food, clothing, or hygiene when you were imprisoned. All right? So imagine that, that you get put in jail, and you don't have three meals provided a day. It's not like you just go down for your mess, your rations. Um, There was no running water. There was no provision of you didn't get an orange suit or whatever color suit to wear. Um, There was no clothing given. There was no hygiene. They said it was like squalor, horrible, horrible conditions. So if you didn't have somebody come and visit you in jail, you weren't having meals provided. You weren't having your needs met. And so the church in Philippi knows that Paul is imprisoned. And remember, that was a six-month journey to send provision. But they sent a financial gift, and they also sent a worker, an Aphroditus, to be able to help provide for Paul's most basic needs. Needs like food. Needs like being cared for or cleaned up. We are not in jail, in a Roman jail. 
But we all have needs, and we all have ways that this gospel living can play out in our lives. And so we're interdependent, and we're also serving and living out our lives for others. And so Mr. Mark talked about the um, Create Arts and Sports Camp that happened. How was that living out life for another? Well, it's incarnational living. It's life on life, doing life together with our neighbors, the neighborhood kids. There was role modeling that was happening. That's a way that the love of God influencing and working through us is starting to work its way out like those redwood tree trunk or tree, um, yeah, roots. Thank you. The roots going out into the neighborhood, right? Going out into the neighborhood, going across into the green space that we hope gets greener across the street. They're playing soccer over there, but there's role modeling life on life. A positive influence. I imagine when somebody didn't score a goal, maybe they needed a little encouragement instead of beating down on them. Hey, buddy, that was all right. Hey, you know, you can try again. There would be that kind of uplifting encouragement, positive influence. Gospel living, living out your life for others. This picture shows two women that are helping a group of children with um, the sculpture class which they made these really very cool papier-mâché bowls that I saw at the gallery here Friday night. One of these women was busy working all day taking care of kids at home, and the other one was busy all day taking care of employees through human resources at a business. And every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're coming to give of their lives to serve others. What were they doing? They were given their time. They were given their talents. They are given some encouragement. They are given some love. They are given some creativity lessons. And what I saw that was a beautiful thing on one of the nights when I stopped by the sculpture class was that one of the children, one of the little girls fell and hurt her head and couldn't come back. So one of the little boys was helping put all the extra layers on these other people's bowls that couldn't be there so that their bowls would be finished too. So do you see how you start to live this sacrificial life and then you model that and then hear the children start to serve others and think of others and not just themselves. At camp, they were cared for physically. They started with a meal. And check this out. Those meals didn't come from our church. They came from another church. It's like those tree roots were coming from the Caledonia area, a church plant that provided 100 sack lunches or suppers, and then they continued to provide the suppers for Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night, that interdependence, that encouraging, that sharing of the nutrition, so to speak, in a very tangible way. Relationally, they were being cared for. There was consistent leaders, consistent helpers that were here. Physically, they were getting strengthened. The kids were through volleyball, basketball, soccer, nutritious um, cooking lessons. I talked to one of the women that was down there, Sharon, you were helping in that. And she said, oh, we're going to make yogurt-covered bananas rolled in something that are freezer pops. 
And anyway, because it's nutritious and it's teaching them to have fun snacks. And so who was she? She was someone that worked with Sibley's school system, I believe, or one of the school districts, and connected, interconnected here. And so, again, those tree trunks working together are roots, roots, excuse me, roots. Every time I say the wrong thing, just go ahead and just say roots. All right? So those roots connecting together, encouraging, strengthening, The kids got trained up spiritually. There were large group lessons. There were one-on-one conversations. This picture shows Sharon Adama up there. Um, My husband told me she did an excellent job giving this presentation, teaching the kids, engaging them. There was an artist. Oh, those roots were connected. She was from Sunshine Church, and other people knew her, and so she came down and gave a talk on painting There was a musician. There's a um, drama troupe that came two nights, and I have no idea how Ken Adema got to be David, and then this short little kid gets to be Goliath. I don't know. But anyway, it was hilarious. It was awesome, and it was a story with a mission. They were sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and there was this interdependence between the Bridge Street Mission School of theater troupe from other churches, Gold Avenue Church, and this was just the life of Gold Avenue Church in one week. This is just what happened in one week. And I praise God that over the past year that we've had opportunity upon opportunity for our roots to go out and wide, for the name of Jesus to be glorified. And when this happens... And when people are on mission and when they're faithful, Paul says, welcome this worker back with great joy and honor people like him. Honor, honor this Epaphroditus that's hard to say. Honor this guy. That word honor, I looked it up where it's used in other places. It means highly regard or um, treat as the one that is... um, Chosen and priceless in God's sight. Highly esteem. So honor this worker. Hold dear, hold precious those who have been going out in service. And so Paul says to Timothy, he says of Timothy, I have no one like him. Do you see how he's lifting him up? He's saying, he's special, he's precious to me. Anybody who's been serving is precious to the Lord, and we should rejoice and consider them precious as well. And so I want to give you a little example. And so Joy Adema has agreed to help me with this. So Joy, I'm just going to ask you to stand up. Stay where you are, but stand up. Stand up. And um, so let's just pretend that Joy Adema, this is kind of interesting, Betty, that you ask about Pastor Dave because I thought of this this morning. All right, remember Pastor Dave got sick, and so let's pretend like I'm Pastor Dave out in Arizona and I'm very sick, and I need some new um, Oreo cookies, the blueberry flavor. Have you heard of blueberry flavor Oreos? Well, I'm just, let's just pretend that... Um, that, Dane, just be the Holy Spirit and go deliver those cookies over to Joy for a minute. Because you know, any good gift 
comes from the Lord, right? So um, here comes these blueberry cookies. And so Gold Avenue Church decides Pastor Dave needs blueberry Oreos to get well. And you commission Joy to go all the way to walk to Arizona. All right? So could you come over and and bring me those cookies, Joy, because I'm Pastor Dave and I'm sick. Oh, but wait. Along the way, you get sick. Could you kind of, like, yes. But she's gravely sick. And actually, on the way, they didn't have urgent care centers back then. They didn't have medical doctors that were between um, Philippi and Rome. And so, actually, it's miraculous. When near death, when he got near death, it was very, very miraculous. And they think that Paul probably prayed for healing along the way, maybe. But anyway, all right. But you persevere, and you make it all the way over here. Bring me those cookies. Yes. Thank you. Now I'm feeling better. But you know what? You were traveling with other people, and your group went back home, and they told your grandparents and your parents that you had gotten so sick you almost died. Well, what do you think her grandparents and her brothers and her family are feeling and our church family is feeling if we hear that Joy almost died on the way to Arizona? Remember, there's no cell phones, there's no FaceTiming, there's no Internet And it's a six-month trip, and the only way you get news is if one person goes and tells the other one. So they know that she's been so sick, but they don't know the outcome. This is what Paul was feeling when he said, I'm really concerned. I'm thankful that she didn't die because I would feel worse upon worse because I'd be so concerned about my church that I started back there and what this was going to do to their faith. And anyway, and so he... he, um, I don't think he probably sent the cookies back, but I'm going to send the cookies back with you, and I'm going to say you get to go back to your family now. Thank you so much. He says, he re- says um, receive them with joy. And so receive with joy. Receive joy with joy. How about that? All right? But honor, honor them. And so tonight... We're going to honor each other. We're going to honor all of you because it's with joy that we say the Lord's been working. He's been working in your life. He's been working through you. He's been using you to send out these roots. He's been using you to bless each other. And so we're going to honor and we're going to hear about, we heard a little bit this morning, but we get to hear about all these different things because, you know, Everything matters. Every little thing matters. Making the coffee matters. The tech stuff, it matters. Uh, It matters a lot to some of us. Um, All these different ways. Tommy, you were out doing soccer, I think. Yep. Um, Kate and Ryan were out. Like There are different ways that each one of you, you're praying, you're giving, you're encouraging And so we're going to encourage each other tonight. This meeting is a family church gathering. It's for everybody. You can come and be encouraged, hear some stories, maybe think of how you might want to share a story of the way that the Lord's been working um, this past year. But we want to honor volunteers. We also want to approve the budget. Well, remember, there were blueberry cookies to send to Pastor Dave 
There were financial gifts to send to Paul. We're going to look at our budget, and hopefully you've picked up a copy already, but we're going to look at that budget and go, how does the Lord want to use our gifts and have us to be able to use this money so that we continue to live out the gospel and to make Jesus known? And so I hope that we'll all come together tonight again. It's almost like sermon part one, sermon part two tonight, but it's not in a sermon format, but it's more sharing stories and just having a great, fun celebration with shredded chicken and shredded pork and shredded something else. I forgot. Ground beef. Oh, taco meat. Yeah, tacos, tacos. um, That's what we're having. It's um, Mexican food tonight, and you'll bring some desserts or something to go with it. But it's a time of honoring the Lord, who's the designer of gospel living. Because we only are modeling him who gave his only son. He, gave, he laid down his life. He came. He was interconnected, right? The Father sent Jesus. Jesus and the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And so there's this giving and giving. There's laying down a life. And we're just living and modeling our lives after Jesus as he works in us so that we can bring Father glory and be right smack. We want to be right in the middle of the Father's will. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you give us this um, lesson in practical theology of gospel living. And Lord, I pray that you would um, cause us to live interdependent lives, Lord, that you would cause us to live lives for others and that you would help us to celebrate and honor one another because it's a celebration and an honoring of you in one another. And so, Lord, would you help us to continue to um, give our lives away so that you can use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.